and welcome to the CX Appeal podcast. I'm Louise Bennett and today I'm joined by Netcall's Chief Innovation Officer, Richard Farrell. Hi, Richard. Hi, Louise. Thanks for joining this episode. Thanks very much for having me. So in this episode, we're talking about callback technology and how it's used to improve customer experience, particularly at times when organisations are receiving high volumes of inquiries or they have the same level of inquiries, but less staff available to handle them. So Richard, I know from our discussions over the years that this is a topic that's close to your heart and you've been working with callback tech for a while, haven't you? You could say that. Um, First used callback technology and processes in 1996. (laughs) So nearly 25 years. So during that time, you must have seen a lot of changes in terms of how the technology has evolved and also its application. It's a really interesting point because while lots of things have changed and evolved over the years, there are also some constants, um, things that haven't changed and, and won't change. Okay. And one of the main things that hasn't changed is distribution of telephone calls. Um, we like to think that we're all individuals, but we are entirely predictable. So anybody who looks at contact centre demand and forecast of telephone calls will know that um, we follow a pattern. People follow a pattern. Okay. And classically, the busiest time for contact centres is a Monday morning. And um, we can see that we're sheep in other areas as well. So if you look at... Um, a chart of traffic congestion, for example, and calls into the contact centre, you'll see that the peak of traffic congestion is before the peak in contact centre calls. It follows the same pattern, the same distribution. So if you look at the historical averages, you'll see a peak in the morning and a peak in the afternoon, and that's exactly what happens in contact centres. What's different about road capacity is that we all have to sit in a traffic jam And we haven't worked out a way to get someone to sit in a traffic jam for you. (laughs) But that's not the case with call centre queues. So that's one thing that hasn't changed. Even as we've added more channels, so email, up 20% of contacts, web chat, text. There are faxes in some places still. The patterns of peak demand morning and afternoon haven't really changed. So that's one thing that's been constant over 25 years and it won't change. The other thing that's really interesting that links into that distribution of calls is different arrival rates. And the maths around this, um, which lead to increased queue times and um, abandoned calls, um, goes back even further than my 25 years. Right. Uh, So um, in the contact centre world, people will be familiar with the name of A.K. Erlang. And he was a a Danish worker um, in Copenhagen, and in 1917, he produced workings to show the distribution and blocking of telephone calls. 1917 is over 100 years ago, though. Surely things have moved on since then. Well, the maths hasn't changed. And interestingly, the models are still being used today for different sorts of distribution. And even if you look at things like Um, disease distribution, which is a hot topic at the moment, Um, Erlang formulas are used in that as well, because it's all about how people don't arrive and interact in a uniform rate, that there is a random distribution around that. It's something that people who don't work in contact centres don't really understand to start with. And there's too many accountants involved. And what they do is they they, they see, all right, if an agent can handle 100 calls a day, and you've got 10 agents, then that's a 1,000 calls. It's obvious, isn't it? 
But what happens is that the calls don't arrive smoothly throughout the day. They bunch up due to that distribution, which means that at the peak times, you need more people. So that's interesting to hear about what hasn't changed. Surely some things have changed over the years. Okay, so um, the good news is technology has helped us out. So when I first, first started dealing with Callback in 1996, it was to respond to direct response TV advertising. And one of the big problems I had in the contact centre then was that we advertised in the middle of the news at 10 adverts. So right. we'd have a big spike of calls at quarter past 10 in the evening, which is not a great time for a contact centre. So um, what we had to do was we introduced initially a manual callback system. So rather than trying to have a three or five minute call time, what we would do is we would call snatch and, and grab as many details as we could in that big burst of calls, and then we'd call people back. So we would just ask for name and telephone number, and then we'd ring them back presently. And also when it was... Um, news at 10 advert time, people quite often wanted to be called back the next day. So that was quite good for smoothing out that demand. We, we refined that over a period of time so that we had um, multiple skill levels, multiple sites, um, and then we would overflow calls to a, an outsourcing bureau, an agency, and they would grab the customer's details. But one of the first things that we were able to change from that process way back in 1996 was to make that part electronic. So we would have um, a file of data that had been captured, which was then able to be used for outbound dialing. So we had bits and pieces of the, the process in place. And that, that was good. And that handled the, the peak demands, but it was quite labor intensive and quite inefficient. Yeah. So what I saw nearly 20 years ago was when Netcall introduced QBuster. And QBuster is an automated way of grabbing this customer information and calling them back when you've got an agent available. And when I first saw the solution, I thought that's something I would buy in the contact center. And it really, really interested me. When I joined Netcall in 2001, um, it was a new way of doing things. And we had to prove the impact with customers and there wasn't an awful lot of, of science around it at that point. So we had to use empirical evidence of control groups and testing with our customers. And we proved this with a lot of high profile organizations that with QBuster, you could handle the same number of calls with fewer agents, yeah. which was a really interesting thing to work out. And in some circumstances to test this, we actually control groups of agents doing the normal business as usual. And then we'd have another group of agents, um, smaller volume of agents, smaller number of agents. And then we could look at what happened afterwards. And we could see that amongst other things, customer satisfaction increased. We could reduce headcount, which then led to an improvement in productivity. So it was wins all round. Yeah. And the, 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 the sort of maths that we got to was depending upon the scenario, you could get up to about 12.5% productivity improvement. You could handle more calls with the same number of agents. So aside from the productivity benefits, this point around actually improving customer satisfaction is an interesting one, isn't it? So lots of customers will 
misremember their contact centre experience. And we also remember the outliers as well. So if you have five calls to a contact centre and four of them are answered in 30 seconds, um, you don't even think about that. But the one where you've waited, the one that you've waited for two minutes or five minutes, you really remember. Now, there's a number of psychological factors that are going on there. Um, the first thing is that a contact centre queue is invisible. So in a physical queue, if you're queuing up at the bank or at the bar, um, as the queue time increases, you actually get a bit happier because you can see you're getting closer to the front. You can see the physical movement in the queue. If you're in a, a virtual queue, if you're in a contact centre queue on hold, you can't physically gauge your position. So there are things that contact centres need to do around that. And um, estimated wait time and positioning queue can be useful for that. They can also be quite dangerous as well. If you've got a very big queue and you tell somebody you're 50th in the queue, you're very likely to get an abandoned call straight away, which is not great in some environments. If you tell them that they're in a queue and the estimated wait time is 10 minutes, again, you'll probably get a lot of people hanging up. So you're in an invisible queue. Um, and then rather like the, the, the dentist's waiting room, um, looking at the clock, um, this time when it's not being used, um, you really remember and you have a lot of bias. So um, when we did the initial measurements, we found that callers to a contact centre thought queue times were longer than they really were. They also thought that callbacks happened in a shorter time than they really were. So when they're waiting for a callback, they can actually make a cup of tea, answer some email, make another call. And so that time actually goes quicker than if they had remained on hold in the contact centre. So there's some really interesting psychology that's going around around behaviour. Um, and the output from all of that is that people's experience is made up of these incidents, these interactions. This has an impact on how people view the organisation and to some extent, it's a bit unfair because we've talked already about distribution of calls. That, you know, that happens. Um, we do have circumstances, one at the moment, where you might have fewer agents than usual. Um, yeah, sure. But for the customer, it's still a, a bad thing because it seems longer than it really is. And then they have a bias that they remember this timing cue, which reflects badly on the organisation. Um, still after 20 years, perennial top of the list in terms of what disappointed you in a contact centre and the time on hold is, is always number one or two in the list. Interesting, isn't it? So there's been quite a lot of research about this recently as well, hasn't there? Almost like the academics have caught up with um, the anecdotal research that we would have done over the years. Yeah, so we, we it, it was nice to see. So we were dealing... Um, 20 years ago with some of the biggest organizations on the planet one of our customers at the time um, that 12 and a half percent number that comes from the the company at the time that was the, the largest business in the world by market capitalization so we've got some good data from from actual use so by um, I think 2016 we're now at the case where we have some published papers peer-reviewed with all of the maths that can show what we've claimed and proved in the real world for a number of years. And what the maths proves is that if you offer a call back, you can improve productivity and 
when you offer a delayed callback, you will also improve customer experience. So the mass has, has, has caught up with the, the real life experience and we can prove mathematically that callback improves performance. And would you say that there's a higher focus on agent experience as well that's been a growing trend over the years? Um, agent experience is, is, is always interesting. There are some that would say if you keep your agents happy, they will automatically keep your customers happy. What we found right from, from day one was that we always wanted to find out um, what agents thought about the callback process. From, from our experience, and most of our people who were working on this at the time had come from contact center backgrounds, um, we knew that if the agents didn't like it, it would never get anywhere. And we also know that the agents are really close to, you know, it's the, the ear to the ground. They really know what's going on with that customer experience. You know, they're right at the, the fulcrum of, of where the technology and the systems meet the customer. They're the arbiter between all of the corporate stuff and what the customer wants to, to find out. And we, um, we, we measured agent satisfaction from the very first implementations. And we found uh, a number of interesting things. Um, the first one was that agents liked um, the callback process. So with our callback process, we capture the agent first and then they're connected to the customer. And one of the reasons they like it is because instead of getting 20 or 30 seconds of grief, do you know how long I've been on hold your whole message, your whole music is rubbish. Um, <laughs> you don't really care about customers. If I rang your sales line, I'd get through really quickly. Your IVR is rubbish. I had to ring you because it was on the website. Why'd you keep on telling me on, on hold music to visit the website? That's where I got the phone number from. I could go on for hours. Instead of 30 seconds of that at the start of the call, something really interesting happens. And that's the customer says, thank you for calling me. Right. So we've absolutely switched around something that was a negative experience for the customer do you know how long i've been on hold you don't value my time into thanks for calling me back so from an agent perspective now you've got a much happier customer um, we also found that the average handling time on the callbacks were shorter than the average duration on all calls as well and it's, it's hard to tell exactly why. Um, we think that 30 or 40 seconds of, of not being moaned at is some of it. Um, also, it seems to be that agents can take a bit more control on the outbound phase. So rather than being um, really reactive and waiting for the customer to lead them, they can be a bit more proactive. Hi, it's Richard from Netcall calling you back. How can I help you today? So how has the Q-Buster technology itself changed over the years, Richard? So when we started off um, in 2001, as you might expect, this was um, an on-premise solution. It was hardware. There was a server and interface cards and wiring and rack space and power and all those good things. Way back in 2003, we launched um, a cloud version of Q-Buster. Um, it wasn't called the cloud back then. It was application service provision. But basically, in 2003, we had a multi-tenant cloud service, which enabled Qbuster to be delivered really, really rapidly. And by rapidly, I mean three lines of contact center ACD scripting. Okay. You're ready, you're ready to go. And there, there were some of the early cases when we, we first did that, 
um, we would find that um, when we were going to go live at customer sites, um, they would go live early. They'd turn it on before we were <laughs> done all the briefing and training. Um, they just got on with it because it was so easy to do. So, so that was really interesting, the cloud proposition. We did some other work with more and more integration into customer systems. So more CTI integration. Um, and so we did good work integrating with um, Genesis environments and then with all of the big contact center players, Avaya, et cetera. Big change for us was um, when we acquired Telefonetics in 2010, because this gave us a contact center platform, an actual ACD, they're called Liberty Converse. And rather than having a separate callback handler or a, a Qbuster in the cloud, we've actually got callback technology built in natively into the contact center solution. Right. So what does that mean for, for our customers? Well, when we started, um, we would have had to charge you a whole load of money for this hardware and um, capital expense. And we'd have to take a long time with your IT department getting it all authorized. And when I mentioned um, some of the companies that we dealt with, um, it would be on their servers with their specification. Um, sometimes you wouldn't even know the variant of the operating system that you had to run on. So it was hard work and expensive. Now our customers and our Liberty Converse customers can literally turn on QBuster with a button in a user interface. So the ability and the ease of deployment has changed massively. The agent and customer impact hasn't changed at all. So when we turn it on, agents say, that's much better. And if you talk to a customer, they say, wow, you called me back. So far, we've talked a lot about the ongoing challenges of high call volumes and agent availability, and both of which can be unpredictable at times and difficult to plan for. So what are your top tips for CX and contact centre managers faced with these challenges? So my, my top tips really would be initially talk to the, the agents and find out what they say, and they'll tell you lots of interesting things. Um, the next thing I would look to do is study the data in more detail. So one thing that really hasn't changed much in a contact center over 25 years is the um, focus on a service level and trying to adhere to a service level. And most UK contact centers will have a service level of 80% of calls answered in 20 seconds. And often I'll ask contact centers, um, managers or planners, I'll, I'll ask the question, why is it 80-20? And very few have a good answer for me. And mostly it's because it's always been 80-20 or that's what they inherited. Or in some cases, that's what the contact center software is programmed to show. All right. So 80-20, why 80-20? Why 80% why of calls in 20 seconds? The, the one thing that really gets me with that planning is that it's a plan for failure. So if you think 20 seconds is an acceptable time to answer a customer, if you want an 80% service level, you're planning for one in five of your customers not to get the service you think is acceptable. So that's an interesting perspective. What it also does is it hides a multitude of sins because very often contact centers will report service level on a daily or weekly basis. As we mentioned at the start, the distribution of calls means that they come in 
bunches. They, they come in spikes. And the service level doesn't reflect what's really happening in those busy intervals, those busy periods. So you might have a contact center that has a 80-20 service level over the week and that gets reported around the business and everyone shakes everyone's hands and they slap the backs and say, we're doing a brilliant job. It means during that week, one in five customers didn't get service that you thought was good enough. And it means in the peak intervals, it means that Monday morning, those wait times and the abandoned call rate, those wait times are going to be much, much longer than your 20 seconds. And again, this distribution um, really has an impact. So rather than, again, being a straight line, once you get out of control in those intervals, queue times get really long really quickly. Right. So organizations, um, they think they're doing a great job. They're reporting around the business. We are. Oh, we hit our service level. Fantastic. That must be brilliant. And yet, You've upset loads of people by giving them unacceptable wait times in peak intervals. Thanks, Richard. It's been really interesting, as always, to speak to you today. And there's some really useful tips in there, um, as well as it's just been interesting to hear about the evolution of callback technology in general and how it can be used to improve customer and agent experience, as well as improve productivity for businesses and organisations. So as you mentioned earlier, it really is win, win, win all round. If you're listening and you have challenges with spikes in demand coming into your contact centre or you have less agents available to handle inquiries over the coming months, you should get in touch. We have a number of solutions that are quick to set up which can help and I've included some useful links in the description for this episode. So that's all we have time for today. From myself and Richard, thanks for listening and goodbye. Thanks very much. Bye.